0: Welcome to the Malware Tech. <laughs> God damn it!
1: <laughs> oh, sorry. Okay. God. <laughs> serious. I need
0: to calm down now. Welcome to the Malware Tech podcast. This is Dr. Tran.
2: Malware Tech.
0: And today we have a special guest, She Networks, who is a network engineer. Yeah. Who's visiting uh, Los Angeles for work. I am. So this is the first time we've done an in-person recording so this should be interesting so hopefully we have no yeah we don't technical failures
2: we don't really know how the hardware works (laughs) it's it's 50 50 whether this even goes live
0: yeah let's let's hope the demo gods are 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 on our side yeah
1: small chance but yes (laughs) we'll see
0: Yes, yeah, so a lot has been happening uh, lately in the, in the news. I guess the biggest dumpster fire is kind of the whole Facebook situation.
1: Yeah, I think that's the one that everyone has been talking about the most. Uh, but the whole, you know, this month so far is off to a great start.
0: Yes. Awesome security awareness month. <laughs>
1: <laughs> what? Are
2: you not going to introduce the topic you just started?
0: yeah so i think the first big thing on facebook it was that that outage caused by i think some bgp um issue
1: yeah the bridging gap protocol (laughs) (laughs) uh that was like on the news so they were trying to like explain bgp to you know regular people that are not networking people and i don't know where they got bridging gap protocol from i wonder if they like asked somebody and they
2: googled it I mean, if you like Google an acronym, then there's gonna be like a bunch of unrelated answers. So they probably just like Wikipedia'd it or something and just picked one that sounded. But you know
1: they're gonna have networking people on site. Like, yeah, Yeah. they always have networking people and like IT people on, like in in a news station.
2: No, they don't do any research, it's just the news. I'm
1: just saying, I would just ask one of the IT people before just like Googling BGP. I don't even, is Bridging Gap Protocol a thing?
2: I mean, I assume it is. Like, it must have come up somewhere for them to, unless, Google. like, Google. someone made it up. I didn't even
1: spell protocol, right? I think there's
0: a skit. I think there's too much noise in the Google results now for you to actually yeah. find a real answer, unfortunately. Because, it, like, it's just filled with memes and stupid references to this
1: now. Yeah, but anyway, um, so, yeah, that was a that was big big thing. A lot of conspiracy around that. So I like had posted a tick. Someone asked me in my comments, like, oh, you want to talk about this? I was like, yeah, I'll talk about it. Um, and the comments on that video just kind of went off the rails with, uh, because of the timing of the whistleblower. And then I think the whistleblower went on 60 Minutes talking about shady stuff that Facebook has been doing with like algorithm and you know, Instagram causing eating disorders or whatever, and then uh, the outage happened, which I was like, no, this just seems kind of normal.
0: I think what added to the fuel as well was reports that people couldn't get into the Facebook offices, but wouldn't that make sense if they're...
2: It was the military, they they took over the headquarters to get the files.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But people don't realize how dependent so many tech-enabled, things are on DNS and just uh, the routing protocols and everything, if something gets screwed up, you you can't authenticate, you can't authorize.
1: Well, I think that's another thing too with, without knowing too much about their infrastructure and how their badge system was set up, like, you know, people are like, well, if they- Someone said
2: it was LDAP. I don't know if it was a joke or if they actually do use LDAP for their badges, but that's what someone on Twitter said.
1: I have no idea what they use, but it could, like what I was saying is it could be cloud hosted. Like their badging system was cloud hosted. If they lost connection to the internet, then yeah,
0: exactly. They
1: don't have connection to the cloud anymore, so they can't actually. If if it's not like locally stored information, which
0: is interesting because there are several cloud enabled access control systems where they plan, they 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 design it for that contingency if you lose internet access. Yeah, which is funny. So well, so
1: there's here's the thing. So I guess with people are like, well, why is it taking it so long? And yeah, the, the badging system was one problem. Um, and, I, and I don't, again, I don't know how Facebook's data centers are set up, but typically when you go to a data center, right, you're gonna have a, first you're gonna need to get in the door, right? So that you probably need to badge in there. And then um, there's gonna be like a waiting room. No, I wouldn't wanna say a waiting room, but just kind of like an open area and you might see someone manned there to like, that takes RMAs or lets people in, whatever. And then there's gonna be a separate room where you're gonna have a knock and you're gonna to need to badge into there. And then you'll have, before you can even get into the actual data center part, there's like a, a man trap, right? So you need to get into there, which usually has like a biometric scan plus badges. And then you get past that man trap and all of your servers are locked in cages. So from what I heard, they don't even have like physical key locks to enter those. They only have, again, the badge system to Trying get to be in. be tech enabled. So there's all those like point like those points that you need to get past and because I was thinking like oh You know, maybe someone's if they, if they have a 24-7 hour Man data center someone could just like open the door and let them in But if you can't get past like the man trap, then you're screwed I mean anyway. you
2: can't do that because typically there would be very strict access control procedures that doesn't allow them to just let people in
1: well, I would imagine under There there would be somebody that would have access that they would know right
2: yeah, but like typically with access control, you, someone can't let someone in who doesn't have a badge. So while yeah, but in this You can
0: case, have a badge. I, I think in this yeah. case, in an emergency, they're going to have other ways of authenticating and authorizing someone to get in, including yeah. letting someone tailgate.
1: Even if you had someone in the data center, like if you had someone in the NOC that could let you in, could they even get past the man trap at that point? Because like, the knock's going to be before you even get to the man trap. This is what I've seen in most data centers, right?
0: If the NOC is on site. I guess, as well. Yeah.
1: You'll, you might have some smart hands on site. You might have someone there just that is getting packages, RMAs, parts, whatever. Um, but you can't even, even if you get let into the data center, you if they don't even have access into the physical part where all the racks are, then you're kind of screwed. So I think people were just really just... It, w- it went too crazy, right? The comments were crazy. There were so many videos about just the conspiracy theories of what was happening and people being like, they think it's impossible that these outages would happen. And, yeah, I don't
0: think people realize how fragile network infrastructures are over the internet.
1: Well, and I had made a couple videos about BGP before and just talking about, its it's got a lot of flaws. All these routing protocols are old. They're old. They're not, they weren't designed for security um, and they weren't designed... For the scale, yeah, the
0: complexity of modern networks. I mean, my my first job as an intern <clears throat> was working in network operation center, and I remember, I still remember the day we had some type of recursive Span tree protocol issue. The entire network on the East Coast went down, yeah. and we it took us hours to start figuring out okay which switch was causing it. We had to reboot that. So it was it was a complete nightmare.
1: Yeah, I think people think that companies like Facebook are like too big to fail. And so it's unrealistic for them. But to see this kind of massive outage is one, I guess at this level, it's pretty uncommon, but I don't think people realize how often and how common outages are in general. Like when I've I've worked outages as a main part of my job. So I've done outages for like 911 systems for massive cities, like hospitals, people that are like, I. Had to be completely shut down, like no surgeries can be done because our network's down. Um, And I think people, they don't see that as often. So they kind of are like, oh, like this is, it has to be a conspiracy because how does a company like Facebook that's so big, how does it fail like this? Mm -hmm. Um, And it's, unfortunately, it does. (laughs) Like it's not, it doesn't have to be a conspiracy. Um, It really just only takes one kind of screw up or slip up and. Unfortunately, they have cascading problems.
0: I mean, this guy brought down a whole network of, uh, of ransomware because of some random DNS <laughs> entry, so.
2: Well, I think that was more of an intentional thing on their part, whereas like BGP is very fragile. Like I've seen entire countries taken offline by just like one bad command by someone who doesn't even, like they have nothing associated with that country. It's like someone in one country can take offline another with just a single bad command. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Did Facebook blame it on an intern? They did not. No,
1: I think, so another big thing um, that I guess a lot of people don't talk about is bigger companies like Google and Facebook, Amazon, a lot of these companies have internal tools for networking that they have designed and created um and a lot of times it relies on software right like technically mm-hmm. they're kind of like software companies when you think about it um and if you and software has bugs right and if it's not something that's scaled it's not something that a ton of people are using you're going to be the one that finds that bug um you and know, when,
0: when i worked in the knock yeah i had to write a lot of scripts to do health checks because it was either that or i have to manually check things it was just, so I just wrote scripts. Yeah. Luckily I didn't bring anything down, but the security guys were not happy with me yeah. because it would just like flood
1: their logs. <laughs> <laughs> but that, that's the thing too. A lot of these bigger companies, um, they're the first people that are running into some of these scaling problems. And they are doing a lot of innovation inside their own company that you wouldn't think of. Right. I mean, AWS started as an internal thing that was then externalized for customers. Uh, because they're trying to solve a problem that they had that there wasn't a market solution for so uh, What it seems like and I haven't read I guess I'd have to go back to verify again But it seems like Facebook does have some internal tools that they've created uh, for helping automate and manage some of their networking um, specifically with BGP and there was a like bug that essentially missed a command that shouldn't have gone through or whatever. And that's what happened and it got taken down. And that was one of the big things that people were like, oh, they would have a change control board and this wouldn't get, go past a change control board. I'm like, I don't think you understand how yeah, much of networks it, are automated. It probably,
0: not that, but it probably did go through a change control board. Just because it, something goes through a change control board doesn't mean mistakes don't get made.
1: Fair, yeah, for sure. I think this case was more of just an automated thing. So it wasn't going through a change control board. It, it might've been something that I don't, there's some things that are like repeated changes and everything. It's so complicated without knowing the full story. It's a lot of it's going to yeah. be speculation. A lot of it is
0: speculation, and this is such a rare occurrence that I'm surprised it happened hasn't happened sooner.
1: That's why every time I'm just not shocked.
0: Yeah,
1: <laughs> I'm like this is not surprising. But everybody, um, I think, just the timing was what really caused a lot of people to lose their mind.
0: But tech, to your point about people accidentally bringing down entire countries, I mean. Imagine a day, and it's too bad Tara's not with us, but imagine a country misinterpreting something, a a, a move like that.
2: I feel like they wouldn't, because, like, every uh, intelligence agency knows that, like, BGP hijacking is, like, a common thing. And it's, like, I feel like, like, I feel like there is no value to doing it maliciously. Like, with, uh, like, TLS encryption, there's, like, very little you could intercept by hijacking a country's asn so it's really just like oh that's obviously a mistake because why would anyone deliberately do this
1: i mean there has been cases though of bgp hijacking for malicious oh yeah purposes. there
2: was uh i actually know someone who stole the uh the the one ip range so that they could get one 3.3.3.7 um they like literally just like they they owned a they had a BGP, uh, like, I don't know what you call it, but like the, the thing that allows you to actually control BGP, like most uh, small ISPs don't have access to BGP, but they actually, they had their own uh, routers. So they basically just stole the entire IP range just so he could, he could VPN in from 1337 as his IP address. I mean, he like screenshotted it and everything. That's like
0: the ultimate flex.
1: yeah i mean you do have to that's the thing though it's hard you have to get access to those routers right yeah so that uh
2: like typically only bigger isps have them but like this was not a big company this was like this tiny little like ddos mitigation provider which i guess is why they have bgp access
1: yeah i don't know it's it's crazy and kind of unfortunate because I just hate when conspiracy theories go crazy. Not like, and I don't, I'm not going to be out here defending Facebook ever. Like, you won't catch me doing that. But it's just from my experience from working with outages, the smallest things can happen and just take down everything. Like, I've gone on calls where it's like our news station has been down for like 24 hours. Not hard down, but at least like severely. Uh, impacted by an outage and
2: there's this Indian ISP that like they're very bad with their BGP configs and they've like taken down Google and stuff by like root leaking and uh, there was like a time when all, all of Google services were taken offline because this one like little Indian ISP like messed up their root config again
1: yeah I know there's a lot of people that are trying to come up with a solution for that uh which is interesting, but- There's,
2: uh, there's a lot of like uh, ISPs now that are basically, they're looking to see if someone publishing like a config change would be in a position where they would ever need to do that. And it's like mainly meant to stop like root leaks and like accidental hijacks. And the idea is that you basically authenticate who is performing the command mm-hmm. and you try and stop say, random Indian ISP from hijacking Google. Yeah but the problem is with like a lot of the little ISPs and like, especially other countries, you don't really know who's who and who's tr- supposed to be doing what. So you can stop maybe like a th- like third party country hijacking like a big American ISP, but you can't really stop like it the other way around.
1: Yeah.
0: So next, I mean, also, you know, you mentioned around the same time, there, there was the, the whistleblower around Facebook about just, I, I found it interesting because all of the things that got leaked, everyone kind of knew that stuff was happening, but I thought mm-hmm. it was interesting is now there's actually attention tension because there's actual documents that came along with this. Mm-hmm. But I, everything in those documents being described, people more or less kind of knew this stuff was happening.
1: Yeah, I think the, the big reason why it's such a big deal is that Facebook's testifying one thing in front of Congress and then they are, have actual documentation and research saying the opposite. And so, Facebook obviously is not going to present that documentation to Congress themselves, being like, here's our (laughs) conflicting research. Um, So, the fact that someone's like, hey, no, here's this paperwork um, that shows and research done directly by Facebook that kind of shows what they're saying in court or in Congress is not accurate, that um, means, you know, that has more of like a legal standpoint. But you're right, like, a lot of people know that scrolling through Instagram is not good for, you know, adolescent youth or whatever and yeah, there
0: was even a documentary uh on netflix uh the social dilemma
1: mm-hmm.
0: it talked about all of these things
1: yeah and then, so that's another reason too i mean they, people were theorizing like oh facebook went down so that they could scrub their servers i'm like you don't need to take your whole you don't need to take facebook down to do that like that one got me too because it's a lot of people that don't understand the technology that are making these like claims or these theories about like
0: it's just like people who don't understand how vaccine technology works. Like, did I say that?
1: (laughs) We're going to get a warning on the YouTube video now.
0: Oh, no. You can bleep out what I said. I I just said, I don't know, medication.
1: (laughs) Um,
2: Vitamins. Vitamins, yes,
0: vitamins.
1: (laughs) Yeah, so, I mean, that, like, people were saying just crazy stuff. Like, oh, first of all, the documents are already leaked, so it is what it is. Two, they wouldn't need to take down... Instagram, WhatsApp, and Facebook to scrub whatever data they're claiming that's getting scrubbed or changing their algorithm. You can do all, like, when has Facebook needed to take a maintenance?
2: PUBG. <laughs> <laughs> PUBG, yes. Oh my God. In the most inopportune
0: times, yeah. too, I feel like.
2: It's like weird because every company has figured out like staged updates and this this was like probably one of the most popular games in existence and they haven't figured out how to update without taking offline their entire network. Every single
0: time Tech and I try to play, update, server down for maintenance, we're like, what the heck? This like prime game hour. (laughs)
2: Like it's six PM, like when everyone in the US gets home from work and wants to play a game and it's a like four hour maintenance window where they just take offline the entire network. So I mean it does happen, but like Facebook doing that, they would that would be like a hundred billion dollars just gone every time they do that. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, it's not the, I guess people just, you know, they don't they don't really know how it works on the back end. And that that's way more unbelievable to me that they would have to take down their Facebook, WhatsApp and Instagram to scrub servers than, yeah. than what, just what being I like thought, screwing up. What
0: what I thought was not cool was their public statement after the leak where they basically just tried to discredit the person by saying this was a person who didn't have any direct reports, wasn't ever in management meetings where decisions were made. That's a whole list of things. I mean,
2: that might be the problem. Yeah, <laughs> like... maybe that's the problem. She wasn't in these meetings or
0: had authority to do anything. Like, all your
2: meetings are like a bunch of yes men, and the people who actually have questions about your ethics are shut outside
1: yeah i actually did not see that follow-up as far as they com- i'm surprised they made a comment about the whistleblower to be honest
2: yeah like the less you say the better yeah yeah because now they know that they've essentially acknowledged that person did work for facebook and probably had access to those documents whereas if they said nothing then that's also a question that can be asked
1: yeah
0: i thought i thought it was interesting that it took this long for a whistleblower to officially put their name to it
2: i think there's been a couple but they don't they don't, like, come out publicly. I mean, she didn't either. She, I believe she leaked the documents, like, uh, like several months or at least weeks before. And then in the end, for some reason, like, decided to come out.
1: I think it's because there's a payout. Like, a whistleblower uh, cut that mm-hmm. she... Can- I don't
0: think so. Not in the U.S.
1: Yeah, for sure there is.
2: I know there's whistleblower protections. Yeah, there's like legal protections.
1: protections. I think it's... Who is it through? Like, you can get... Money for if if Facebook gets fined, you can get a portion of that fine. I hope that's them. not
0: true. No, I, that I, is
1: that, to true. me. That's not,
0: I don't think that's the right incentive.
2: I mean, that's a thing now. Well, look at it this way.
0: I mean, in 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 some European countries, there is a whistleblower bounty.
1: Yeah, no, there is for
2: for
0: tax information. So basically, people are encouraged to rat people out for how much, if they're not paying their fair share of tax and, mm-hmm. and that person gets a percentage of where the government recovers.
1: So here's like a release on sec.gov. Issues record 114 million whistleblower reward. So they 100% do that. So like here, it says a federal whistleblower protections provide legal cover in providing private Facebook documents to the SEC and Congress. So, and it said her leaks uh, to press could trigger legal action from, uh, form Facebook. So, I mean, she could walk away with a substantial amount of money.
2: Probably not as much as Facebook was paying
1: her. <laughs> <laughs> Facebook does have, I mean, their pay is kind of insane.
2: Yeah, I think, like, a uh, standard, like, mid-level engineer, you're doing about 300K, and there's principals on, like, like, the lead principal engineers are on something like 1.5 mil a year, so...
0: And that's probably why there hasn't been anyone yeah. who is out there leaking so far because they're they're, Money. they're, getting, paid, yeah? I mean, they're half, getting
1: paid. I I know. So and they're
0: benefiting from the system. Someone
1: yeah. got a I think it was like an engineer management management position, and they gave him like nine hundred thousand dollars in like yeah. stock.
2: There was because um, you get like the RSUs, but that might have been signing bonus and not yearly. But they give you a lot. And the thing is, if you quit, you I think it's like a four-year vesting period. So if you quit, you lose four years worth of stock. And like, there's a bunch of people in InfoSec who work for Facebook, and they're like, "Yeah, yeah, we're changing it from the inside." And it's like, no, you're taking the money. Like, you want those restricted <laughs> stock units?
0: Yep.
1: Um. Well, and it is. So speaking of that, this is kind of a pivot, but the. Theranos trials happening right now of Elizabeth Holmes, and I've been kind of following that for a little bit, uh, just because I've read the book, I've seen the documentary, I'm pretty well versed on it. And when I read the book, they specifically talked about how she would basically get these engineers from Apple, and there was like one girl who left Apple, and this was years ago. So I think like maybe like early 2000s, gave up all of her Apple stock to go work at Theranos. I'm probably not even pronouncing it right. Um,
2: I'm pretty sure it's Theranos.
1: Theranos, and yeah, but basically she left a she left uh all of her Apple stock, and then that kind of exploded, and she had to quit or whatever. And it's I mean <laughs> like walking away from I, how, how it would be hard to walk away from nine hundred thousand dollars that's potentially going to grow to even more. You know, yeah,
2: with like. For something like Facebook, I would walk away. Like, I don't feel there's any money is worth knowing that you contributed to like, essentially they're pretty much driving society into the ground at this point. Like a lot of the QAnon stuff, the anti-vaxxer stuff, that all centers around Facebook. And they knew that, like that's what was in the leaks is they knew they were hosting these platforms. It
1: gets even worse than that though. Like worse than the QAnon. Oh yeah, like, those... like the dr- Like the gun running stuff in these countries where it's even less regulated. Or um, how some
0: countries use it the platform to, basically control the country.
1: Yeah, because I forget, I forget what country they were talking about. Where they're like they don't have access to news sites. Like Facebook is where they get all of their news. Yeah.
0: And you can influence the population. Yeah. By inciting fear, violence, whatever.
2: I mean, the thing that scares me the most is, um, a while back I think maybe like twenty fifteen, Zuckerberg like started like. He was like visiting coal miners, which is what you do when you're going to run to president. Yes, yes, I remember And that. I <laughs> was like, oh, fuck. Because like that's a, that's a plot in the latest House of Cards series. Like the, I think it's like that, the Go, it's Google in like the show and the, the CEO of like their version of Google decides to run for president. And because they have control over essentially everyone's thoughts, they could manipulate the results into making them president. And like Facebook could generally do that, like they can they control so many people's opinions that he could quite easily make himself president. Mm-hmm. And that terrifies me.
1: No, I mean, uh, it's definitely been a rumor that Zuckerberg wants to run for president.
2: So I believe it was confirmed in the whistleblower documents. Like, it was pretty obvious. Like, why was a billionaire meeting coal miners?
0: Yeah, well, it wasn't just coal miners, but the way he did like, was yeah. it. Like, he was traveling to, to meet the real America. Yeah, I mean, like, that's,
2: like... That's no billionaire gives a shit about that. That's that's running for president but like i believe it was confirmed in like one of the leaks that he was they basically tried to squash something because it was going to be bad for publicity for him for his pre- presidential run like I, I saw some chat logs i don't know if it was these leaks or something else but there was a leak that actually They overpaid
1: confirmed. a
2: fine yeah that was the one they, they yeah. overpaid a fine to avoid uh, bad like press for zuckerberg
1: yeah so basically they like overpaid by wasn't it like billion? Something crazy. They overpaid a fine. They
2: basically, I think the fine, they basically said we'll overpay the fine by like an insane amount of money if you don't say like, if you don't name Mark Zuckerberg as like a responsible party.
1: Yeah. It's shady. The whole thing is real shady. It
2: terrifies me. Like, can you imagine like the site that controls QAnon being like the president? (laughs) It's,
1: it's just really unfortunate that like I said, what we're seeing here is not even touching the surface of how bad it gets. Like what they're doing in the other countries that don't have any regulation and that don't have governments that are really even slightly concerned about what's happening on these sites and how it's affecting like their population and how it's affecting their elections. Um, it's way worse in other places. I can
2: imagine. Because like they've they've got a a lot of worries in the U.S. with regulation and there's like they've had a lot of antitrust cases recently.
1: Yeah.
0: On the topic of social media and everything, mm-hmm. I mean, I know one of the things you do for fun is uh, you know you, you you create content for TikTok. So I mean, how did you get into that, and what is it all about for those? Tell us those, about the
2: TikToks. Yeah. <laughs> tell us about the TikToks. <laughs>
1: um. Yeah. So I I guess like. I've talked about it a few times, but uh, TikTok was kind of more of. I was downloaded with everyone in the pandemic, right? Um, and I, I wanted to make some tech videos. Like I came across some tech accounts, and I was like, wow! I didn't realize like people on TikTok cared about uh tech, you know, cuz when you think about TikTok, especially if you aren't using it and don't have those types of videos on your for you page, you're thinking of like the dancing girls and like maybe some funny meme videos <laughs> and things like that. Um and I can already like smell the comment section on YouTube, people being like TikTok's a little I'm like I don't care guys. <laughs> you can save it. <laughs> um I've heard it all. Uh but yeah, so it's I I wanted to I started making like videos roasting Linux users. As you do Um, and they did pretty well and then I started you know doing more meme videos but then also like some educational ones because people started asking me like educational questions Um, and it's been a lot of fun it's had its ups and downs for sure TikTok is definitely by far one of the most toxic platforms (laughs) out out there Um, and then I convinced you to do it and then you blew me out of the water Like, he, like, makes a couple of videos, he ends up in the news twice. I'm like, okay, yeah, that's great.
0: <laughs> yeah, before he before he became a TikTok influencer, he would just send me, like, links just stupid TikTok videos. And I don't have the app. I refuse to install the app. Of course. So when I go onto the web browser, it only shows me, like, the first five seconds or something, and it stops. I'm like, I'm not, I don't, it's not important enough for me to install the app, so I don't know half the shit
1: he you sends say
2: me. <laughs> yeah. but- You say boring.
1: Yeah, but... Yeah, so, I don't know. Yeah, I've been doing that, and it's been a lot of fun. I mean, the the best part is, like, all the people that I've met doing it and just, like, the opportunity. Who knew that, like, making TikToks would be, like, one of the best things that I could have done for my career? <laughs> like, I think the idea of a networking influencer is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard in my life. Like, truly. Like, I, if, if you were just, home, like, if I was in college right now and you were like, Serena, um, one day you're gonna be a networking influencer, I'd be like, I what, what does that even mean? Like, shut up. Um,
0: I think you could say that about all of us, but like, if you rewind <laughs> our younger
1: selves.
2: Tell, I used tell to your... make fun of influencers, and now I'm like taking brand deals and pitching <laughs> products. You sold
1: out? But I mean, to be fair though, like, if you really think about it, yeah, everyone makes fun of influencers, right? But I think there's a different, there's different types of influencers. Like I.
2: I mean, influencers have a really good life. Like I have some friends who are influencers and like corporations just like, like when you get big enough as an influencer, a corporation essentially just buys you and they they will run all the brand deals through towards you. And they just basically give you a no limit credit card and be like, fuck off, get some private jets.
1: Yeah, I'm not there. I'm not even close to that.
2: And they like literally just get paid to well they do not even get paid they just get unlimited credit cards to fly around the world go on yachts and that's their job their job is like simply to exist
1: yeah i mean that's that's interesting it, it is interesting seeing like because there are all types of different influencers on tiktok right because there are the people that are like oh i do like makeup and skincare and um that's kind of like a dime a dozen there's a lot of people that do that there's a lot of people that want to do that but when you get into the niche areas especially when we're talking about like tech and networking there's very few people that are doing it. And because it's a higher bar of entry, right? Like I have multiple certifications, I have years of experience, I have degrees, and that took a lot of years to get to the point where I'm at now, even of like without degrees and certification, whatever. It's a lot of years of experience that are required to like even start where I'm at. So there are some people that maybe aren't as far along as me, they can still make this networking content, they can still do all that. Um, But you can ask for like a lot more money when you're in like those niche areas for like sponsorship deals and things because you have to have a knowledge base to be able to like put together a lot of the stuff that a lot of the technical influencers do, so. It's really it's it's all it's a, it's very new to me and i'm learning a lot but i think
0: it's new to a lot of people because this this concept of an influencer really only cropped up the last few years right the way it has industrialized itself and it's a whole little microcosm and micro, an economy
1: well and then there's like we were talking about this like there's like yelp influencers
0: <laughs> when, when, <laughs> I, when you say that i think of that episode of south park where Kyle's dad <laughs> is the Yelp reviewer yeah. and he's sitting in his, in his t- computer with a glass of wine like writing these long uh, <laughs> Yelp
2: reviews. There was yeah. like a problem on Yelp with like, essentially it was like Yelp, uh, what do you call it, like protection money. They would basically extort restaurants by threatening to leave like hundreds of bad reviews. Oh, that, that's what the episode of South Park was about. Uh,
1: oh, I definitely saw that episode. Yeah, so
2: they like they had to like restructure the system a lot. I think they actually for a while companies could remove like they could pay to have uh, reviews removed. Like there was this Yelp subscription service where they basically just let you delete whichever reviews you don't like.
0: That's a little dodgy. Yeah,
2: so then it went the other way of companies were just like deleting all the genuine negative reviews.
1: That's too much, but yeah i mean the whole thing so there were i would say like instagram influencers and those were kind of what you would see as like the more traditional influencer but now with TikTok and i guess other platforms youtube you have like finance you have crypto you have I do i guess what other i don't know i don't do that with stuff that much but i only do the tech stuff but um it, it's super interesting and now i get to work with like these really big companies that like I feel like a year ago if I would have submitted my resume I'd be like fighting to get an interview and now they're contacting me and I'm just like oh my gosh like I don't know what to do with this. It's exciting, it's fun, um and I'm like super grateful for the opportunity. But yeah, I mean they're not bankrolling me. Like I don't have some credit card with a lot of access. <laughs> is that is
0: that your goal, uh, Marcus? The influencer know. life?
2: Like I I really like my job. Like I'm at the point now where I could And like do this professionally and make about the same as I do at like at a tech company. But I love my job. Like it gives me purpose and that's the one thing I can't get with influencing. Is like I'm just selling products to people. Like I'm not making a difference in the world. I'm not stopping the bad guys.
1: See, like in that I guess for me, I with the sponsorships that I take on, I turn down a lot. So I get a lot of offers and I turn down 90% of them just because I want to make sure the sponsorships that I am taking on are relevant and educational so like anything that I take on is going to have to provide some type of value for free for like the people that watch my content because that's like what I want to do is provide a lot of like educational stuff for free I remember what it's like being a college student and like being all of this stuff is so expensive, like studying for certifications is expensive. The certification is expensive. I didn't get my first cert until I had already graduated college and all of my certs have been paid for by my company or wherever I was working at the time. So I try to always introduce like free options for people or low cost options for people who are trying to like get into the industry and things like that. Since I wasn't there, that long ago i still like know what it feels like to be in that position but yeah i'm not selling products typically <laughs>
2: <laughs> i've had some very weird ones like there's a lot of brands that will just reach out to anyone on tiktok who's on like tiktok now has like an uh, like a brand marketplace yeah and like I've got some questionable ones like water bottles, like weird like designer clothes, skateboards.
1: I, yeah, they like kind of just throw a dart. Like I'll get some weird ones for like food prep services.
2: Honestly, I would actually show food prep services because I use one and I love it. Like it's so convenient uh, like when you're like programming all day. And like Dude, you just
1: have
0: something
2: in the yeah. microwave or sorry, in the fridge you just throw in the microwave for two minutes, and you have a hot meal. Yeah, yeah
1: I, I feel like HelloFresh is gonna send me an email any minute <laughs> now they're like, Hey, wait a minute. Like, <laughs> I like to
2: cook, but the biggest issue I have is like uh, like when you live alone, like most grocery store packs are like they're four packs so if you buy like a lettuce it's going to be like four people's worth of lettuce or four people's worth of sprouts so i'm wasting so much food unless i eat the same thing every single day whereas like stuff like hello fresh and uh home chef and whatever the other ones are they give you the exact amount of ingredients you need
1: you get, which... we sound like a hello i don't even go, don't even go down
2: <laughs>
0: that route like i i buy the stuff that is pre-cooked and meal portion and everything because oh, yeah. i don't it's, like it helps that. me to control my calorie intake and also i like i really like cooking but i just do it on the weekends during the week when i'm working like 12 14 hour days i don't want to deal with i don't
2: like the pre-packed ones because like they're not healthy like they put too much sodium and stuff i
0: disagree it. you have to find the right one because what i look for are local companies and local businesses.
2: yeah, yeah there's good. one those in are Texas better that
1: I just- like Snap Kitchen in Texas and they are like actually healthy and because it's like packaged and then delivered like right to you so it's not like it's being mailed to you yeah, from it's not made, across but, the like, country Yeah, for something. mine I have to
0: go pick it up Yeah, yeah because they, it they cook it there like the, I think like the, the day before and then they assemble it that morning and then you go pick it up and then and you, you do have to sequence like some of the stuff you have to eat first and then some of the stuff yeah. you keep longer so you do have to do a little bit of planning but otherwise you get good variety you get um, calorie kind of manage portions and it's just two to three minutes in the microwave.
2: Yeah. I mean, I like to cook and also have the managed portion. So I go for the ones which like just send you the ingredients and you throw them together. I hate mm-hmm.
1: cooking. Because it still
2: like feels like cooking. Like you're not, they're not skipping anything I couldn't do. It's just faster. Yeah.
1: But anyway, yeah, lots of lots of sponsorship opportunities. I think the companies that I prefer to take, because that's, that's the other thing too, is I don't need to take on sponsorships. Like I ha- I have a full-time job. So it's not like I'm like hurting for extra money at the moment, which is great for me. Um, so I can be picky about who I'm working with and what I'm taking on. And if I th- think it's going to be valuable for me and my following my page, all of that. So it's definitely interesting um to navigate this especially because it's you don't know how much to ask for and the- you and
0: i were having this conversation when? about how much to ask for for like speaking engagements or oh yeah
2: stuff. like i was i was struggling with that
1: it's hard like there's no like at some point you just start like naming prices and then you just keep going up until here's how i look like, at no. it
0: so I, I i heard i heard someone say this last night i was in at a talk it was actually really good The lawyer tests you should figure out how much their lawyers are approximately getting paid you're probably not worth more than their lawyers unless the value
2: bringing is greater than that
0: that's your litmus test
2: but like no one discloses their lawyer salaries
0: lawyers lawyer fees have a range you can kind of figure it out depending on the city you're in
1: interesting
2: i mean not for corporate lawyers like retained lawyers they just like it's it's a lot like enterprise pricing where you just pull a number out of your ass based on how much you think they can afford.
0: Or it's the value, the value doesn't No,
2: you don't, you don't. With enterprise, you try not to charge by value, you try to charge by literally just whatever they can afford.
1: Yeah, well that's like another thing too is being like, okay, what's your budget? You know, like what's your budget? And then sometimes too, what like they never tell
2: you with the
1: position (laughs) that I'm in, which is another thing. So I don't, I feel comfortable. Like I'll throw my number out there. If it's too much, it's fine. I don't have to take on the sponsorship. I don't care because I don't need the money, right? But, um, but some people, especially who are maybe early in their career or don't have a nice tech job that's paying them well, they are much more afraid to throw out those large numbers Mm -hmm. because they don't want to, just. you I don't guess. Want, they don't want to scare yeah. off them you and don't like, want to lose scare the potential off,
0: but, sponsorship.
1: Uh, well, so. I think I think
0: what I told Tech was the worst thing they can say is no, like it, which. It, but it, for it, some
1: people, that is the worst, Like that's horrible because it's like a missed opportunity to potentially make extra money and that, that could well, be another tip that
0: I heard from. last night in this talk was. The first few jobs, you do it for free, so that way you ha- basically have like almost like a resume. Hell no! Because the third, because the, <laughs> the third person where you throw a, a number, where you do throw a number out, they're yeah. probably thinking, well, two other people have paid this, so it must be okay.
1: <laughs> uh, kind of, yeah, I could see that. I mean, there, I did a couple product, like product reviews that was just free product sent to me. But again, like this is product that one companies that I really support, I would have made the video about them anyway, regardless if they had sent me product or not. So I guess, maybe.
0: Well, this is also a broader discussion about how do you value something? Mm-hmm. Cause that's that's something that I think a lot of tech people make mistakes in when they're negotiating with vendors as well, because there's list price, there's your budget, but there's you, you have to really figure out what value can you, how do you quantify the value you're getting out of that product? That's how much you should pay. Mm-hmm. Because you always have the, the, the ability to take that money and do something else with it to get a similar outcome.
1: Yeah. So a lot of the companies that I work with, um, especially who are just trying to break into kind of the TikTok influencer market, are really just doing it for brand awareness. So again, like I, most of my sponsorships aren't selling a product. It is selling the brand and just being like, hey, here's this brand. Let's talk Mm -hmm. about them. It's brand awareness versus an actual like product sale. And that's even harder to track, right? Because it's like, how do you quantify and put a value on that? and what you're getting out of it, so. I think you
0: still can. You look at the demographic of your viewers.
1: Which you, you can't,
0: though.
1: Like, you're guessing my demographic, pretty well,
0: much. Yes, but I mean, that, that that's what a product manager at a tech company does. They basically build a business case and look at what is the total addressable market, what is your approximate market share that you can get. I mean, they do all these things. You, there, there's a, there are formulas you can use. It's not exact. It's yeah. still a swag. But there is a, a method behind the madness.
1: Yeah, it is. It's super interesting. Um, I, I like I, I guess I just like the numbers in it, too. And just I don't know, like figuring it all out is Well,
0: going back to the example I gave about negotiating with vendors and value. Um, I don't remember the specific numbers. I just know the approximate, but there was a vendor that wanted to sell us something that the list price was like $90 mm-hmm. a license and we look at and we had a big budget but then we look at it okay with this amount of money with the amount of users at 90 dollars, it makes no freaking sense that's 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 half our xyz budget over here by buying this product how much work are we saving we calculated that by how many people we would need to do this ourselves and we worked out to two dollars a license so we offer them okay we'll pay you two dollars a license <laughs> They accept it.
1: <laughs> and that's the thing too, when you, when you throw out a number and you're like, oh.
0: Well, we show them the math too. When you show them the math that this is the value that we would get, no more than that. Yeah. What are they going to do? Say, nope, we're not going to sell it to you. It's either they make the sale or they don't.
1: Yeah. Well, and that's, I don't know. Sometimes too, when I throw out my number and they're like, okay. And I'm like, dang. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, darn it. But it is what it is. You know?
2: I, I often don't get like good feedback. Like they don't try and negotiate like if your number's too high that's it they just walk off
1: uh you can send a follow-up that's feedback that true no (laughs) no no comment is comment but i mean for there's been times where i've sent up sent a follow-up if it's a company i really want to work with i'll send a follow-up and be like hey like just wanted to see if you're still interested or you know just craft up something and send it to them and then they might prompt them to be like hey it's a little bit out of our budget maybe in like q4 like i'll get that sometimes too where it's like we're prepping for Q4, we'll reach back out to you in November. And I'm like, all right, cool, whatever. Which, Which is an
0: end because they're basically saying they're willing to pay that amount, but just in a future quarter.
1: Yeah. And then also though, I, here's the other thing. So if you are interested, if you're watching this and you are interested, first of all, you can reach out to me if this is something that you're, you can DM me on Twitter or whatever, and I'll probably be able to help you. Um, but, cause I've done that with other people. Like I have reached out to you other people in the similar market as me and been like, hey, like, what are you charging? Like who, like what, what do you ask for? Um, Cause there are, especially on YouTube, a lot more established content creators that have been doing this for a while that have taken these sponsorships. And that's kind of given me a good idea about what I should be charging. So, so
0: Tech, when is this podcast gonna get sponsored?
2: <laughs> I mean, we already <laughs> have a sponsor lined up. Do we? It's just, I don't no. I don't wanna, I don't wanna bite off more than I can chew. Yeah, I, I don't
0: know. I, I look at this podcast it's just like a little fun side yeah. thing so I'm not too like I, I don't want to
2: have a schedule and I don't want to have like actual investors that I have to answer to like maybe at some point I would like to do like not this but like maybe have a separate thing I do with them but like honestly I don't I don't want to do a podcast like sponsored well, like I'll do like we can do like Product placements and ads, but <laughs> I don't, but know. I, I don't you want can to do, do like that. I'll,
0: I'll, 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 I'll just remain silent during that segment.
1: But here's okay. Here's the other thing too for people who are like aspiring content creators, whether it be like YouTube, TikTok, a podcast, whatever. Don't rush into taking a sponsorship mm-hmm. because once you monetize something, exactly what you're saying, there it's there's another level of pressure on it, and then you are turning this fun thing that you're doing into a job, job. and then there's expectations where right now it's like, oh, if you don't post for a few weeks, nobody cares, right? I mean, obviously people might want to- We haven't posted in a year,
0: so. (laughs) I think, has it been a year? I think it's been almost a year. Jesus.
1: But like, see, it doesn't, like you're not held to any obligations, there's no contracts. The second you start signing contracts, it becomes a job and it does have, it, it shifts from this like fun thing that it doesn't really matter if you float or sink, you know. Mm. It's it's what it's just yours. It's what you want to do, and then now you're getting paid, and you have sponsorships. You can lose those sponsorships if you go too crazy. <laughs> um, so especially <laughs> when this you're podcast first starting, is pretty tame. <laughs> Especially when you're first starting, you should take it slow and don't worry about trying to make money, just do it for fun. Like I didn't take my first sponsorship until after I hit 100,000 followers because I was like, I want to build my channel the way I want to build my channel. I don't want anyone else's opinion to matter. Um and that's what I did and it was it worked out well for me.
2: Yeah, I don't like taking sponsorships. At least I don't like doing the talks because I take it too seriously and I will I will like lose sleep having anxiety about <laughs> I need my talk to be good enough like like, what if they don't like it?
0: Oh yeah, you're te- you're, I remember you were asking me, oh, should I tell this joke? I'm like, no, don't tell a joke.
2: <laughs> like, uh, it's, it's scary. Cause like, a lot of the talks are in foreign countries where I can't be like, I can't be natural. I have to make sure There are things that, you
0: can and can't say.
2: No, it's more like I have to make sure my uh, talk is like toned to A, the culture and B, like it's in like in a way they can understand. Like mm-hmm. for instance, I did a talk in China recently And they're not gonna know, like, these are not native speakers. They're not gonna know a lot of, like, the big terminology. So I had to make sure to, like, use, like, the simplest terminology that, like, make sure it was common words, which is hard for me because I'm British in America. So I have, like, natural vocabulary, which would be simple in England, but not simple in America. So I'm trying to think of like what would be like a simple U.S. vocabulary because they they learn U.S. English, not British English. And like it was this whole nightmare. And then there was like issues with like like certain things weren't OK in the talk. Like um, I don't know if I go into details, but like there's. Oh, yeah. (laughs) They um like something that I would have never thought would be an issue was an issue, and like I had to redo the talk multiple times. I, I know what you're
0: talking about. You'd be surprised how many cultures and countries actually have similar issues with how. Now, now the viewers like, what the fuck are they talking about? But yeah, there there are other countries that have similar sensitivities. There's um, a lot
1: of nuance, like, and even coming down to like regional stuff, like memes, terminology. Yeah, so that's like the that, thing. That
2: a good talk from me is funny. It has like some some memes, and like when it's cross culture, you cannot do memes. Like memes do not translate across cultures. Um, like if it's a Western country, you can get away with memes, but like like an Asian country, you're not like none of the memes they they're gonna get, none of the jokes they're gonna get. And like I just had to do my first ever serious, no jokes, no memes, just like completely serious talk. And like that, just felt so unnatural for me because like my talks are always funny; they're always a little silly. And it's like you will come away with a lot of knowledge from the talk, but you'll also get a laugh.
0: You get entertained,
1: yeah. Yeah. yeah.
2: So talks that was, are not
1: something I like to do. I don't. like It to do was them. very
2: <laughs> scary. Like I was like worrying I was going to be like one of these boring business execs who's like waffling on for an hour, and you're like, please. Have stop. you Have you
0: seen that meme uh, with the actor that played Zero Cool from uh, from Hackers, and he's in a suit? And I think the caption was either uh, die here or you or you live long enough to become CISO.
2: <laughs> it's ain't that the truth I don't think I'd ever become a CISO. not because like I don't have the skills it's because I don't I don't like that level of responsibility like I, I stay up for like nights on end of, like getting anxiety over a talk like imagine if i was running security operations for a company where you
0: had to talk to people and explain to business people what you're doing <laughs> and explain why they're spending hundreds of millions of dollars
2: yeah i i couldn't i couldn't deal with those responsibilities
1: yeah i uh i just recently started a position like a technical leadership position and uh it's like my first time in a leadership role and I guess I don't really know how I feel about it because there's some things that you're like, Oh, this just seems like common sense, but it's not really common sense to some people. And, um, I don't know. It's, it's been a journey figuring that out. So I don't know how I feel about the leadership thing at this point. I'm kind of still learning and being like, all right, I think I want to go more technical again. (laughs) I don't think I want the leadership. I I had that tipping
0: point many years ago as well, because I was kind of, like teetering, like, do I really want to go down management or stay technical? And I think
2: you're, you, you fit management. I think. Well, I you're think square. what you picked well, right.
0: <laughs> well, what ended up happening was I realized that I can take the same problem solving mentality that I have from a technical standpoint, breaking things down to simple components, experimenting to figure out what this input has these possible outputs. I basically started doing that with people. Yeah, and I felt like I was, I started to get like, okay at it. So I'm like, okay, this is interesting because I felt like I was able to do more by influencing people than just working on a server or, or like, coding something.
2: Like being technical is very overrated in business. Like the only reason to do it is because like, that's your passion. Like I'm having the issue now is like, I want to be technical because I like doing technical stuff, but like, there's not. that's not where the money is. Like I would, I need to have a management brain, but I don't. I'm just not built for management. I don't
0: know. I think, I think the, the the idea that technical people can't be management or vice versa, is. I don't think that's necessarily oh, true it's not, from my point of view. I mean,
2: I'm not saying that technical people can't be management. I'm saying I specifically cannot <laughs> yeah, be exactly. management. I, I, think,
0: I think that's something people need to look within themselves, decide. Do, are they willing to go through what it takes to be non-technical and be management because there are some things that you have to do as a manager and a people leader that you never have to do as a technical person. You have to have tough conversations. You're going to have to get into political battles. You might have to fire someone. Yeah. Like if you you can't emotionally go through that, like you, you, people, leading people is not your business. I
2: like struggle to inconvenience a waitress. Like I could not fire someone. (laughs) I would have a meltdown.
0: I, no one has fun firing some people, but, you ha- but some, there are, there are some, at a certain point, you have to make a decision for the greater good of the team and the organization, the outcome. And, and sometimes for the person themselves, uh, like, I, I've, like for the people that I've had to fire, I always try to like kind of keep an eye on like where did they go afterwards. And, and they ended up being successful. And I think that's great because, you know, sometimes, at least in the situations I've been in, I felt like those people, it was not a fit for them. They were definitely a fit for something else, but they couldn't take the plunge and they were struggling and it was affecting them. It was affecting everyone around them. So I didn't. maybe I'm telling myself <laughs> this, to make, telling See, this my, to make myself feel better. but
1: My problem with leadership is, I guess from coming from a non-leader as like a team player, team member, I exhaust so all my options before I come to someone with a problem. Right. So like I will, unless it's something like, obviously you have to prioritize. So if it's not like a time thing where it's like, Mm -hmm. I'm wasting too much time trying to figure out this problem instead of asking for help, you have to know how to do that correctly. And that's a skill. Right. And also, I, I just don't want to, like how you're saying, like, I don't want to inconvenience a waitress. Like, I'm no, I don't want to go to someone with a basic question that I could have Googled and found out myself in like five minutes. Right. Mm-hmm. And then being in a leadership position, you realize not everybody has that uh, same mentality. So a lot of times people come to me with problems and it's like you had given me advice the other day where you're like, oh, just ask them like well, what do you think you should do, yep. right? And I was like, oh, that's why have I not been doing that? Like, <laughs> <laughs> that's a great like piece of advice because sometimes people just come to you with all these problems and it's like, come to me with a problem and a solution. Like, come and to me. And you can
0: coach them if their approach is wrong. Right. And, and actually, so. And that's
1: a skill. Like learning how to do that's a skill, so.
0: And what people don't realize is, and it, it's not just going to your management with a problem it's when you when, when someone goes to management to say, hey, there's a situation, this is what I'm gonna do, just give you an FYI, a heads up. Mm-hmm. I do that with my managers, my staff do that with me, and that just makes sure it's, everyone's on the same page. Yeah. So if something goes wrong, I'm ready to jump in and back them.
1: Yeah. But
0: also it's confidence building when someone comes to me and says, hey, there's a problem here, this is my proposed solution, I got this, and it just gives me confidence that, pro- that they know how to navigate these problems, and if it doesn't work, I have an opportunity to coach them to teach them. Or in the moment, if their advice is, "Hey, maybe you shouldn't do that. Did you think about that?" I just think transparency with your management changes helps to keep everyone moving in the same direction. Yeah. And I know a lot of it, it, you know staff and employees are scared sometimes of going to their manager because they feel like, "Oh no, I'm gonna my management's gonna think I can't solve this problem on my own." and, and if a manager thinks that they shouldn't be managing people because a manager needs to create an open and safe environment for people to try learn do different things for sure because that's how everyone grows as a a team
1: yeah yeah i don't know my like i said i think i just my frustration has been with people coming to me with problems and i'm like i think you i think you're totally capable of solving this like that's why i hired you that's why you're on the team Mm -hmm. right so let's you know it is a lot of coaching and i'm i'm still learning like there's so much you have to learn um to do that position as well so it's like a big learning process and I'm still trying to figure out like it's hard because we tell people like what do you want to do in tech like what do you want to do in security or what do you want to do and until they're in that role like you can have all these grand ideas of like oh this is my dream job but unless you're actually working in it you don't really know if that's truly what you want to do so it's like to find out if you like management like take on some leadership you know responsibilities because you're going to figure it out quickly if you like it or not and then from there you can kind of like pivot and change directions but
0: I think there's also a role for the manager and supervisor to kind of help boost the confidence of the person too because when they're coming to you they're probably they're not feeling very confident and mm-hmm. and I think part of this if they come up with an idea or a proposal on how to solve the problem that's good you reinforce it oh that's a great job that's a good idea
1: yeah
0: I think so I think there's an element of that to get getting them confident to take those risks and they make them feel safe that doesn't work it wasn't just their decision, it was their manager's okay as well. That it was a joint decision that this was how this problem was gonna solve, get solved, and it didn't work.
1: Yeah, I like that we have the the scale of like manager, technical <laughs> lead. British. British. <laughs> <laughs> I don't
2: understand how anyone in England is a manager. Like our culture is so non-confrontational. Like to go from that to like being able to fire people, I have no idea. I,
0: I love the saying how that uh that germans are too honest to be polite and brits are too polite to be honest
2: yeah
1: it's funny the last job that i was in um i worked with people from almost every country like that america like we're allowed to work with um and you do see like i know like working with the german engineers like anytime i had a case with german engineers i was just like oh god because i knew they were going to ask like every detailed question Um, and it's just funny to see the differences of, like, um, working cultures in different areas where some countries are very, like, lax, or, like, I don't care. Does it work? Cool. Like, whatever. Fine. Um, and then some countries are, like, we need to know every detail. Like, why did this fail? Like, very inquisitive and, um, but yeah, they're like, they're, and some people just be very direct with you, which is kind of what I like. Like, I'd prefer you just to tell me what's up so that we're on the same page, that's you know? That's why I
2: like working with the Dutch. They're very direct. Like, there's no bullshit. They just will tell you like, yeah. what's
1: up. I, I like not having to question what you're thinking. Like, I don't want to play a mind game. Just tell me I straight I feel like up. that's
2: with Americans. Like, they never say what they're thinking. Yes. And it's like, oh, it's, it's too much for me. That's,
1: <laughs> and that's why I get like that feedback sometimes that I'm too direct. But I'm like, what? don't you want me to Americans don't
2: like direct, it's sugarcate everything.
1: Yeah, I don't do that, I don't do that. I don't like to do that anyway. <laughs> but then it makes you not approachable, I don't know.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's the other problem.
0: <laughs> Since we're talking about kind of like different cultures and, and work a little bit, uh, I mean, I know all, all three of us, we've done some, actually work travel, during the pandemic. So just kind of curious on each of your experiences, how, how that, what has been like trying to travel during <laughs> the pandemic
1: for work? Well, I've been traveling pretty much, I guess I'm trying to think of when I started traveling again. Definitely this summer, I think I started traveling again. And it hasn't been too bad. Luckily I've not, I have not gotten COVID fully vaccinated. Um, I'm going to get my third shot here soon, which is exciting. But, yeah, like, airports, like, if you just keep your mask on and chill. There was an anti-vaxxer on my last flight. It was, like, wearing one of those, like, very political, like, anti-vaxxer masks on the plane. Was it
0: the mesh one? No,
1: No. it was just, like, this mask is as useless as Joe Biden or something. I don't know. But I'm just, like, this is embarrassing, honestly. Like, I just, I hate... I hate anything that attracts attention to me, like, and I just feel like a mask with a very big political statement on it. It gives me anxiety to think about even doing that. Um,
2: yeah, I have very negative opinions of people who wear like political apparel who aren't associated. Like, they're not campaigning for anything. Like, if you're campaigning for like young Democrats and you're wearing like a Democrat T-shirt, or young Trumpies and you're wearing a Trump T-shirt, okay. But, like, when people, like, wear, like, Trump hats as, like, their day-to-day apparel, I have such a opinion of that.
1: I just, you gotta, like, you, a, your political opinion should not be your personality. Yeah. Like, like it,
2: it should not be a fashion statement. It should not be a personality. But it is for so many people.
1: Yeah. Especially, like, if we're talking about, like, a singular cause, right? Like, I totally get that. Like, if you have a super a cause that you're really passionate about, yeah, that's fine. But, like... A political party as a cause <laughs> is just, like, too, too much, dude. I just, I yeah, don't know. I agree. Um, but, yeah, I don't, traveling's been pretty good, though. Like, most of the most time, everything goes really well. American Airlines has been screwing me over at every chance that they possibly can get, which has been frustrating. Like, tons of delays. That United thing. Or was it... Southwest had just canceled. Oh yeah,
0: Southwest canceled a bunch of flights. Yeah, was like thousands I was, of flights. Yeah, there's
2: like a bunch of conspiracies about that. Again, of there's nothing conspiracy. can just be
1: like face value. It's just it's got to be crazy every time. Well, um, when
0: you were traveling, you were able to get the whole aisle to yourself. No, I right? got
2: I got more than that. I had like a quarter of the plane to myself. I am, um, <laughs> like typically my way like when I travel, if I if it's not a hundred percent full plane, I will usually get like the row f- or at least a seat free. Cause like, I'm, I'm pretty big. I'm like 6'4", I'm like not white. I just sit there and look scary and there's a good chance no one will sit next to me. Do you
1: buy extra leg room on all your flights?
2: Um, It depends what class I fly. If I fly economy, then I always get like the aisle. No, not the aisle, the- uh,
1: Emergency exit. The
2: exit. There's one on, uh, I think it's like Southwest where it's like, just like a seat on its own. And you're like surrounded by like empty spaces um but yeah i um i always try and get the extra leg room and then i try and look scary so no one will sit next to me oh my gosh and um yeah i got the row i got my row the other side row and then front and behind and um it was kind of easy because at the time delta had a policy where every middle seat is closed like you're not allowed to sit in the middle seat because they were trying to do social distancing on a plane with recirculated air through an ac system but whatever um so they did like the them the no uh, middle seat so already i just needed one person to not sit there to have the entire row
1: see in american though they first of all every flight i've been on has been packed which is whatever uh, but like honestly like if you're vaccinated and you have your mask on i think you're probably pretty good yeah because like,
0: i i remember reading somewhere that the uh, even though it is recirculated air it's filtered and it actually helps a lot
1: they have like a good uh, filtering system on planes yeah i think it's like you're more oh god i don't want to spread misinformation but like i think it's you're more susceptible to getting coronavirus like in the airport than the actual airplane That's that what sounds it, about
2: right because that of the sounds re- kind of
1: it's like the refresh rate on the air on the planes like less than three minutes or something ridiculous i don't know Maybe I'm spreading. I'm I'm the misinformation person. Yeah, I feel like that (laughs) Google that before (laughs) you take my word for it, of course. Well, I
0: I got to travel internationally, so that was very interesting. Um, They kind of packed the plane. It was a little crazy. They'll pack, like,
1: every time. It
0: was interesting seeing how different countries, how serious they take the pandemic. Like in the Netherlands, zero fucks given.
2: (laughs) But they're still doing better than the US
0: uh i don't remember actually switzerland zero fucks given switzerland has very low vaccination rate i believe compared to the us um germany pretty good vaccination rate but depending on where different regions of germany they take it differently so in bavaria people are super serious they wear masks outside versus in the north no one cares
1: well it's like um saying like masks outside and stuff a lot of people were very, you know, nervous about DEF CON. A lot of people dropped out of DEF CON because of the Delta variant and stuff. But I was like, honestly, like I felt so much safer at DEF CON where people were showing proof of vaccination mm-hmm. and masking. That than I do like going to Target in Texas where I live. That, like it's that's true. Yeah. Like I'm like this is way I'm literally safer at DEF CON than going to Target to like get my groceries or whatever.
0: Yeah, I, I dropped out of DEF CON because half the people that i know who would have gone there decide not to go okay i'm i'm not going to see anyone i know what's the <laughs> point of going yeah oh and i was just super exhausted from a lot of work around that time so i just thought okay i get an extra weekend of actually not doing anything yeah
2: it wasn't good like i saw a lot of the feedback it didn't seem like it was a good con
1: i mean it was my first defcon so i didn't have another defcon to prepare or compare it to But I think it was almost kind of like a good first DEF CON because- It wasn't as crazy. It wasn't as crazy. Like you, like at least understood kind of like the layout, which I think is going to be changing next year. Um, Changes every
2: year. Well, Well, no, like that was like a completely different hotel to what they usually use. So like the layout is not going to matter whatsoever.
1: I thought it was the same. It was Paris and- No.
2: So Paris and Valleys is what they used to do when they were smaller. Like, it was there till, I believe, 2016 was the last time at Paris and Bally's. Then they moved to Caesars, and um, it's now at Caesars, but because it was uh, a lower attendance, they moved back to Paris and Bally's. So it will be at Caesars again next time, most likely.
1: Either way, I thought it was kind of a good first DEF CON because it was not as crazy and then also I'm like all right now I know for next year what I need to prepare for and like what I need to bring and and all that so I like I am it.
0: looking forward to next year's DEF CON
2: I don't know I feel like the pandemic's still gonna be here it's gonna be the same
0: it is but I I if they do the same thing again with with verification of vaccination and everything i i would feel fine going I feel
1: yeah like. i mean i felt fine i am immunocompromised and i felt fine and like i said Um, Because, I mean, in Texas, like, they're they're not doing masks anymore. Like, a lot of people aren't vaccinated.
2: Anymore. Sounds like Florida.
1: Well, at least in the Dallas area. Like, the closer you get to Dallas, the more masks you're going to find.
2: Yeah. Um, I feel like they never did masks. No,
1: they definitely did. Like, especially, yeah, the Dallas area. I mean.
2: I mean, Dallas, yeah.
1: Like, they definitely did masks. um, Mandatory masks in Dallas County, for sure. Um, And, you know, a lot of the restaurants were shut down. Like, we did have a shutdown. But again, I have a higher risk going, gro- like getting COVID grocery shopping than I did at DEF CON, so I felt good about it. I didn't have any issues.
0: The vaccination rate in Los Angeles, I believe, is very high as well compared to the rest of the country. I mean,
2: that's not surprising. It's like, I think it's the most liberal city, or it might be D.C. now. No,
0: I don't, th- I don't think so. I-, I think L.A. just did a lot of outreach. There's a lot of community centers that are... Um, they're doing a lot of things to convince people. They're even doing like a lottery. Like one in 50 people get a lot. Like it's like a lottery system where one in 50 people get a $200 gift certificate or something that get vaccinated. So and they're, the do, they're throwing everything that. they can to convince everyone in every community and demographic to get vaccinated.
1: Which there was some state that was giving away like a gun, like, a, like AR-15 what, or something. Was so. it Texas? No, it wasn't <laughs> Texas. But they're like... Uh, You get like a raffle to get, I was like, this is ridiculous. Are you sure it wasn't
0: Texas? sounds like Texas. <laughs> it
1: wasn't Texas. It was like Arkansas or something like that.
0: So so I think maybe the next thing we can talk about is Twitch. I think they've been in the news recently with a breach. Uh, and I, I know I know, Tech and I, we tried to do Twitch streaming and didn't really go anywhere.
1: <laughs> I Twitch is the one platform I think a lot of people, a lot of people ask me like, oh, do you want to do, like, I don't have, I don't have to, I don't have, have a Twitch stream. I don't know. I don't even know what it's called. Um. And it's a, very toxic. And that's, like, another thing. I was like, I already get a lot of crazy stuff from TikTok. Like, I don't need to Isn't add. is
0: that all social media it's
1: toxic? No. So Twitch has a p- big problem with uh, hate raids, they're called. And, what? yeah. So they'll kind of target streamers. Like, a lot of them are women. Um, or a lot of them are smaller streamers. A lot of them are from maybe a mar- marginalized community, LGBT. um They'll these bigger streamers will either target other streamers with their I don't know, followers subs I don't know subscribers mm-hmm. their pawns and basically like send an army of people to like hate raid another person's channel and send oh is this hate. when they start
0: saying things that will get them banned because of the algorithms or the policy No
1: I, honestly I don't know too much about it but there was a whole hashtag movement and it was like uh, do better Twitch And a lot of these smaller creators or creators from marginalized communities are asking Twitch, like, hey, you need to help us with moderation because, like, people are getting bullied off this platform. Mm -hmm. The, the, like, toxicity is horrible. Um, And so that's been a thing that Twitch is trying to combat. And I think it got to the point, too, where Twitch is trying to, like, prosecute people that are doing these hate raids
0: prosecute
1: yeah because it's against their yeah it's against their terms of service so they can in some of these countries try and prosecute the people that are doing this because they'll have bots too like it's it's a big problem on twitch right now did you ever have this problem twitch
0: or you weren't big enough. Uh, I,
2: r- <laughs> well, I really... well,
0: because I remember. Nobody, I, nobody knows cause, you. Because no, I remember, like, I, I remember one time we were talking and you mentioned, like, the peak f- viewers we had and on one of our st- gaming streams was, like, 300 people or something. That's a lot. I, I think
2: we like. had 300 on a game stream. Like, I've had I've had 300 on, like, a reversing stream. I think it was, like, 60 on the game stream. Okay. But, um. Because like, we still sometimes
0: get people on Twitter asking us to do a PUBG stream again yeah Um, like
2: it's it's hard to do because like
0: when they're not doing a maintenance update i guess
2: well and like most people want to watch like good gamers and we're not good (laughs) and like we could make up with it for it with con like funny content but the problem is i can't i I struggle to play games and like produce entertainment so if i did a stream like whenever i do streams that aren't gaming they go really well but when i'm gaming like i i lose a lot of my focus to the game but, uh, yeah, like, Twitch moderation tools are god-awful.
1: It's bad. Um, but, you know, on top of that, like, so Twitch is one of the platforms I really don't, I haven't messed with. Because, frankly, like, I don't really care that much. Like, I I do TikTok. It's manageable. And, like, keep adding. Everyone's like, do this, do that. I'm like, this is adding too much on my plate. Like, I'm not, I don't know. Uh, but, yeah, Twitch had that problem. And then they got their pretty much everything leaked. So there was, their source code got leaked, their, um, tw- the Twitch streamer payouts got leaked too, which was like a big deal. Oh, well, that's interesting. <laughs> yeah, so you could see, you could look up your favorite Twitch streamer and see how much Twitch was paying out to that streamer, um, which again is a, honestly, probably a very small portion of what those streamers are actually making. Cause I don't think that included s- subscribers. Uh, which is or donations maybe I don't know maybe it included subscribers and not donations something like that like it wasn't a complete
0: data set basically
1: right and and then obviously you know it's not going to include like their sponsorships and stuff and honestly that's probably where they're getting the majority of their money is from sponsorships and merch and things like that and donations and not actual what they're making off of twitch so that was that was interesting and I don't think there was really any word on how that actually ended up getting leaked.
2: It seems like an insider, like based on the data sets and what was leaked, I feel like it was probably an employee.
1: Well, and then the other interesting thing about the Twitch leak is that it it withheld people's private information.
2: Yeah, that's how you know it's someone internal.
1: Yeah, so, but it said like leak number one or dump one, so there's speculation that obviously there's like a two that might be coming out. I don't know if that is really a thing or not, but you know it it was a very specific, it was very specific data that was leaked, and it seems like if they had access to this set of data, they probably had access to the other set of data, um, but they only chose to share stuff that wasn't going to like there wasn't like passwords shared or anything like that. From what it seems. so it
0: sounds like they maybe had a specific purpose there for the leak.
1: Yeah, well, when they leaked it on, was it 4chan that they leaked it on? That site's still around? Yeah, unfortunately.
0: I remember it being described as the asshole of the internet. Is that fair? It's, I don't know. it's
1: probably worse, honestly. Um, I can't. Every time I talk about it, I end up on it, so I don't want <laughs> to <wanna> talk about it. <laughs> we can edit it. that part out. <laughs> I can't tell. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, so when they leaked it, they did hashtag uh twitch do better so they seem like it could be like kind of politically motivated like motivated a hacktivist. like a, a hacktivist type thing um,
2: i don't think it's a hacktivist i really don't but it, like who knows like typically when internal network stuff comes out that's usually not like hacking because typically like most hacking is web hacking so they'll breach the database they'll breach who names it but like when you have all of these different things leaked like you have uh, like their, their source codes are leaked, like their, mm-hmm. their Git um, and like a bunch of internal it's tools. It's too specific. You it's like, yeah, yeah. It feels like do, someone that. who had access to the internal and network. And
0: understood where to go yeah. and what assets were available to yeah. take.
2: Yeah. And the fact that they were able to like get all the addresses out all the passwords out makes me think it was someone who actually knew the platform and not an external hacker. Who was
0: just dumped everything. Yeah. Even irrelevant stuff. Yeah. yeah. Like, okay, That makes sense.
2: Like out of like i I could be completely wrong it could have been like a hacktivist who was very meticulous but out of the breaches i've seen that leans towards what i've seen with like insider leaks
1: yeah because why would they go through that
0: effort to, to sanitize it basically
1: and then the other thing too though by using that hashtag could just be to throw off whatever so it makes you think like oh i'm just gonna add this hashtag on and then people are gonna think it is like a Activism type thing and i
2: mean that wouldn't just be activism. like if it was a disgruntled employee who was like twitch is like not doing like i put in my suggestion for how to be better and they're ignoring me yeah. so let's like leak it and say you twitch do better
1: say more about it like they didn't say anything about like there wasn't like a manifesto i well, guess Well, the thing with a
2: manifesto is like if it was an insider then anything you put in there is going to point immediately to who it was
1: yeah, kinda of, I don't know. I think you could still talk more about the issues like if it was it, to me, just hashtagging it seems kind of low effort. Yeah. It like does. if you if you were <laughs> passionate about the issue you could still say it from like an insider or from an outsider perspective of like, you know, here's the things that you're doing wrong and you need yeah. to change them. I
2: mean, they put it on 4chan, so like there's not much <laughs> lower effort than that. Yeah, it just it seems
1: like low, it almost just felt like it was more for like the lols. Like I don't think it was for, Against speculation, but I don't think it was for, like, an activism. I don't think it was really a hacktivism thing. I think it was just, like, more for may, an insider, maybe just, like, LOL, did that, whatever, to make I
2: think, like, problems. my guess is someone who is, like, pissed off. They, like, either got fired or they were about to be fired or they got disciplined or something, and they were like, you know what, let's just screw them over.
1: Potentially, yeah. All speculation. But a, a big thing that came out of it, though, is that, you know, a lot of people are talking about how trying to actually be a twitch streamer is you know people want to do that as like a full-time job and it's difficult like you're not making a ton of money
0: yeah it's it's so bizarre like i've heard stories of like kids when you ask them what they what do they want to do when they grow up they talk about like instagram tiktok youtube i'm like what the heck
1: People it, have, that's
0: just bizarre in my mind but people I'm have just... a lot of
1: problems with that that comes up a lot where you know before it's like when you ask little kid like oh what do you want to do like "Oh, i want to be a firefighter i want to be
2: a dinosaur
1: yeah like, for <laughs> stuff, like i wanted to be like a veterinarian at one point and then they're like you know you have to like do surgery on animals and i was like hell no like i'm not doing that like, I just thought you got to, like, pet dogs as, like, a veterinarian. Professional
2: a horse petter. Yeah.
0: Do, we, do we want to answer questions from viewers? Because I,
2: I, I mean, I, there was only, like, three, but you can... Oh, I just fucked up my internet. <laughs> I hope it keeps recording, because I just <laughs> broke my Wi-Fi adapter. <laughs> <laughs> All
0: right, let's answer some questions from your, your followers.
1: So, yeah, I posted on Instagram to get some questions. So, let's see here. Uh, from my friend Porter, what do you think... Cybersecurity people understand that the general public does not.
2: Internet's haunted.
1: Did you say the internet's haunted? Yes.
0: Well, it is close to Halloween.
1: <laughs> um, I think in general, people have a hard time under. They don't know how it works, right? Like if you ask someone, like someone without technical knowledge, like. How do, how do you send an email and, like, how do I send an email and how does it get to you? Like, a lot of people aren't even able to, like, conceptualize that. Like, they don't know how to do that, right? So, it becomes difficult for people to, like... Like, when the Facebook outage happen, ha- happened, people were going to Apple being like, my phone's broken because Facebook won't work, hmm. right? So, like, they don't... Like, a lot of times, a lot of people don't understand, like, the different companies, things like that. They don't understand how these leaks even happen a lot of times they don't even know that they were involved in like a data leak they don't know that their passwords are out there for me to just look up um so i know that i don't even know
0: how to answer that question i mean from, from my perspective
2: uh yeah i would have just said that like the internet is really just held together with like doubt yeah statements. i was going i was
0: thinking that too but i was trying to think of how do i explain that 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 the technology that we all rely on is not that resilient. It's very fragile. Like
2: th- this was made as a system to communicate between three universities. Like all of this framework was made for a system that was so small that if something went wrong, it's just call up the person and fix yeah, it. You knew
0: who you knew yeah. what went wrong. <laughs> you could, you could call the, the jerk who's doing something they're not supposed to, Hey, cut it out.
2: Yeah. And like, we, we never changed the system because like, once you like, it's technical debt. It's like we've gone so far down the road with this old framework that we can't change it. Like BGP is a great example. Like BGP is a piece of shit. Like it span is. Span
0: tree protocol.
1: All <laughs> all okay, but span tree, spanning tree, we are getting rid of, kind of, at least in like data center space. Like there, there's some improvement there.
2: <laughs> but yeah, it's like we, we are struggling to get rid of a lot of the bad stuff, and it's just like. I don't think people understand how fragile the internet is. Like, you can look at a server wrong and take down a country.
1: Well, and, and oh, are then... we talking about like bit flipping from? Yeah, what, oh, like... bit
2: flipping is a. That is like, I love explaining bit flipping to like non-technical people because like that is a shit show.
1: Yeah, that'll blow your mind. Like
2: the sun can like make your servers misbehave. Yeah, like you can like, like get a
1: piece off from yeah. a bit flip and from the sun acting up.
2: Like <laughs> yeah, it's it's crazy to me.
1: Oh my gosh! Okay.
2: Maybe, maybe like all the, uh like the what do you call it? Like the the stars aligned people. Maybe they were onto something. The, oh, the astrology wow. people, like you're yeah. like, oh my god, it's a piece on
1: well Mercury's in retrograde, so yeah. <laughs> it's probably that. Before, and, like before. it's not that far off though.
2: <laughs> like, it is not. <laughs> like
1: it's, uh, oh, that's funny. Okay. Um, let's see here okay this one's more for me but i'll answer it <laughs> it's all about you it's all about me today um okay so from one woman in cyber to another how's your experience been in the field so as like a woman in my i will say i've had different experiences depending on what i'm doing so before i had an like a big girl full-time corporate job right so i worked at best buy i worked at apple doing retail and granted i was also a lot younger so like i started working at best buy when i was 16 and then i started working at apple when i was 18 i was a lot younger um but i was treated like and it's retail i was treated much worse right and there was like a lot more obvious sexism in those fields like i remember like having a guy come in when i was working at best buy and like he would not talk to me at all he did not want to talk to a woman He wanted a man to explain. And it was, like, him just shopping for, like, a Kindle. Like, just did not, like, want to talk to me about it. And then I would say, like, when I actually became a network engineer and was working support and working cases, working attack, I never had that happen. And I think, you know, one, you're working with other professionals typically. You're not just working with anybody from the street. But also the sexism and misogyny becomes like a little less obvious obvious so like what will happen instead of some guy being like i don't want to talk to you they will more so over like just kind of question like if i provided them with like a root cause analysis they're just like less likely to believe it and it's not like they're just gonna say like oh you're a woman right they'll just be like i don't know like i want a second opinion on this or they'll question you or they'll talk over you or they'll just not like take your technical opinion as seriously instead of it being so obvious. And so then it becomes difficult. You're like, okay, is this person just a jerk or is it something else? And sometimes you can't really know the difference. You don't really know because sometimes people are just jerks, right? And aren't in bad moods or whatever. Um, and when I was in college, I didn't really have any problems except for one guy. He, I remember, they were like, it was him and like this group that was sitting at a table. And I don't even remember what the main conversation was about, but he like looked at me and he's like, the only thing you know how to do with a computer is use Facebook. And I was like, what? And at the time, I when you're that young and when you, and I was like really kind of new to networking, really new to that. And did not have the confidence I have now because I would have like told him to F right off without hesitation. But I think I was just so shocked that it happened that I was just standing there like, okay. And then I left and now, you know, who passed the class and who didn't? I'll let <laughs> you figure that one out for yourself. Because um, I think a lot of that actually, you know, stems from insecurity. He wasn't yeah. doing well. I was doing well. There's like
2: literal scientific studies about it. Like they did one and I believe it was Halo. Oh yeah, the gamers, yeah. yeah. And they basically found out the gamers who were the most toxic towards their female teammates were the worst, like, skilled. Like, there was a one-to-one correlation between skill and toxicity towards women. Yeah. And I, I think it's the same in every... It's like... There was nothing specific to gaming there. It's just like, I think that translates to everything.
1: Yeah, and like, he was struggling in the class. I don't even know if, I really don't think he ended up passing the class. I did not see him again after that class. And we were all, like, my major was pretty small. So I knew a lot of people. We ended up going through together, taking the same classes, you know. Um, And I didn't end up seeing him. And I graduated from the program. I don't know what he ended up going on to do. Maybe he works at Facebook now. (laughs) I don't know. But anyway, as... The stuff that I get online um, is very different than what I experience in real life in the field, right? So I think a lot of people, a lot of women see the comments and see the hate and the trolls that I get on the internet and they're like, oh my God, is this what it's like working in the field? And no, like it's not. And I've tried to address that before being like, hey, if you see this stuff like, and are worried about this is what you're gonna have to deal with. you might have to deal with some of it, sure, but typically it's not the same. Online people are much more bold in what they wanna say. They, Cause they're anonymous. Yeah, they can hide behind their screens, it's whatever. They don't see like impact. Like no, like those dudes would not say that crap to my face. You know what I mean? Like They don't and that's how you know. I'm like, you guys are phonies anyway because like obviously I've worked with people, I've worked with a lot of people. None of you have ever said that to my face. Um, except for the one Facebook guy comment. <laughs> but uh, it's it's good. you can still like have a good career, you can still be very well respected. Um, internet trolls are one thing. Be, like, work with actual professionals, is what I want to say. Like, once you're working with actual professionals... Um, are you working
0: with tech and I? We're not professionals. We're like the least <laughs> professional, most immature. Fair
1: enough. No, but, like, and that's the thing. Like, my experience on Twitter is so different than my experience on TikTok. And I think a lot of... There's just a lot more professionals on Twitter than there are on TikTok. So, really? there's this... I
0: don't know. Just, a,
1: thou- a thousand percent. I, I
0: stopped following, like, a lot of infosec... Uh, on, on Twitter just because of how, just how crazy it gets.
1: But the thing is, is like, when I'm talking about networking concepts, it's either true or it's not, you know what I mean? And so on TikTok, I can say a completely verifiable, true statement and some idiot on TikTok still gonna try and, or I would say multiple idiots on TikTok are still gonna try and dispute it and act like I said something wrong when I didn't. Um, but on Twitter, when I repost those videos, I get completely different responses and and it's Mm -hmm. night and day, the responses that I get from TikTok versus Twitter and the people that are replying to me on Twitter are people that I can like click their profile. I can see where they work. I can see what they do. They have experience in the field They're you know, talking about the same things that I'm talking about. So they actually know what I'm saying is factual. Um, they're not trying to argue my points. And so it's definitely different when you're talking to someone who's a professional versus someone who genuinely cannot tell the difference between like a home router switch, like switch router, Wi-Fi combo thing versus like an actual enterprise network. And there are people that will try and claim like, oh, I know how to do this or they don't. They just don't. And um, it's very easy to tell the difference between who actually knows what they're talking about. And who doesn't? Are you telling
2: me they don't use Netgear Wi-Fi routers in the data center?
1: Th- shockingly. <laughs> and that, that is a problem that I get like constantly is when I'm talking about like a lot of these network exploits and net sex stuff, people will, it will come on their For You page, and the only thing that they know about networking is like their home network stuff. So they're like, why would anybody do this to you? And it's like, because you're thinking about people trying to individually hack into your home versus like sure maybe if you're like a very important like person someone might try and do that but if you aren't nobody gives a crap really um but i'm talking about enterprise and data center networks and people do not understand that there is a difference so that that is a thing yeah but
2: like i mean i i was confused like when i first started about like the whole like modem, router, switch, like it's all in one box. Yeah. And it's like, which one is the switch and which one is the router, which one's the modem? (laughs) And it's like, it's all of them. Yeah,
1: so home networking is very, very different. And that's what a majority of people understand and think that they understand. Um, versus like what I'm talking about in my videos comes more of like a professional business enterprise level thing and people get confused and then they hurt themselves in confusion in my comment section. (laughs) Next question. Next question. Um, Okay. How do you get into cybersecurity if you are trying to get into that industry from scratch? So I'm assuming that's like no experience in tech at all. And I would say you should probably start off not in cybersecurity.
0: Yeah. I think <laughs> you need to have some foundational knowledge of technology because you're op- not for every single role, because I-, I think there's also a misconception. What is a cybersecurity role, or information security role? Because there are non-technical roles, but you're not going to jump from that to a red team role in like two years. And I think everyone wants to, s- and for some reason, everyone wants to be a red teamer, mm-hmm. it seems like on the internet. Um, I-, I think you need to learn a little bit of tech the foundation for some for some roles, not all roles, but some you roles. You
1: need networking foundations. You need like operating systems like Linux and Windows. Even
0: database, even app, even a developer, even if you know how to code. Yeah. There's a path for you if. For, like for yeah, learning Python.
1: Like you, there's a lot of steps in between. Network, like from scratch to cybersecurity, honestly, and so like that is a great, like goal to achieve in your career path for sure. But like. Knowing networking is, like, if you want to be a good cybersecurity person, like, you need to have a lot of the foundations in a lot of these areas, including, like, operating systems, virtualization, networking. Um.
0: I mean, I, I would add to that, though, that I've hired plenty of people who have become successful in security, but they came from a different industry or different Oh, career. for sure. So, like, one of, one of the really, um, you know, strong performers uh, that used to be on my team, she's on a different team now, she was a project manager for an industrial engineering company. She wasn't an engineer. She was mm-hmm. a project manager. But she understood engineering. She understood project management. We were able to work with her to port those skills into a security-related topic. And then she started absorbing security knowledge through her work. Yeah. And then became... But a lot
1: res- of people aren't willing to like invest in someone like that, which is like unfortunate. So like some companies just don't have the bandwidth to like make something that is extreme
0: i I think companies that don't do that is extremely foolish because these are the type of people who are the most motivated if they're willing to change freaking careers to something else yeah they can you can teach them anything
1: but a lot of times if you are willing to change careers like you have to kind of show on your free time like what have you done to like prepare yourself for a new career right Mm -hmm. like have you done like if you are looking for like a red team role or something like try and hack me or try hack me hack the box like have you done any type of certifications have you you know things like that typically if you are trying to get into a cybersecurity role from scratch start looking for entry-level jobs in networking or um what's it like help desk kind of like there's there's a lot you can, like, don't undervalue those roles because there's a ton you can learn in those roles, for and sure. And I we throw
0: in developers in there, database admins, yeah. Maybe any, I mean, even... Get in
1: tech. Get in tech. Get
0: in tech, but get I the think they're, they're even uh, related. So, actually, another good background, I mean, we're talking about someone entry level, so this is not going to apply, but lawyers. Lawyers actually make pretty good security people because of how analytical they are in thinking through problems. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, we, we've had lawyers on the team Uh, We've had people who had political science degrees that focus on global conflict and stuff like that. I mean, right up Tara's alley, uh, you know, for some of our entry hires. So I think it's more about demonstrating how have you tried to learn a topic that you can have no background. If you can show that you can learn something that you've never had any background before and learn it from scratch, I'm willing to hire you because you've demonstrated that I can throw a topic. And if you're passionate about it, you can pick it up.
1: Yeah, that's great. I wish more people in the industry had that mindset, though, you know? And I think it's kind of getting there mainly out of like necessity because there's so many roles that are available and people can't fill them. And especially if you are a company that does any type of contracting, you're losing, if you can't, you're losing money by not being able to take on contracts because you don't have the talent to take that on, right? So, Mm -hmm. um, and that's like for me, looking at if I wanna change, my career or move into another company, The number, my number one concern is mentorship, right? Because it's like, okay, I'm willing to learn all these things and get up to speed and be really good at my job. But like my biggest fear is getting into that role and not having people that I can at, like ask questions to or somebody that's been in that role for longer that can kind of guide me a little bit. Um, because being like hung out to dry in that situation, I've been in that situation and it is miserable and it can definitely like kill your self-esteem a little bit where you're just like, dang, like I really suck at this, but it really is like, they put you in a position that you were not meant to be in, not prepared for, and that didn't set you up for success. So it's as much as on management to make sure that that employee is successful as it is that employee to make sure that they're absorbing and doing all the right things and, and willing to learn.
0: Have you had to hire junior people before at, in, in your role? I think you've, you've um, brought in some more like junior people, but not like entry level, I guess.
2: Yeah, not entry level. Um, he basically was working at another, he was he was in a cybersecurity role, but he didn't have a lot of the skills we specifically need. But I, it was very clear that he was very good at like just learning whatever. So it was like, this person has the skills to self-teach. They know like what they're doing. They're like very efficient at learning new skills. So we'll just take them and plop them into this job. And um, that would have worked if they hadn't known any cyber stuff at all. But um, yeah, in that case, they weren't really entry level. So that is all we've got time for today. Um, I'd like to thank She Networks for taking time out of your busy influencer schedule to (laughs) to come and join us. And Tran from, I don't know what it is you do. I'm just an idiot. <laughs> from, from being an idiot to spend time on our podcast. Yes. So thank you. And thanks for watching.
1: Bye, everybody.